Hello, and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Amy, and I'm here with Brad. Good to be with you. Happy New Year from us all. It's nice to have you with us, as always. Well, Brad, we've gotten through all the excitement of the fall mobilization season, reading applications, and now putting together teams. And the Lord has been faithful, as always. So what can our listeners expect in upcoming podcasts? Well, as you know, Amy, I have a particular passion for learning about history and those who have gone before us. All of you in our office frequently get to hear about whatever I've been reading lately. We love it. I hope so, because I love sharing about it. (laughs) And one of my family's favorite things to do is read missionary biographies out loud. And as we do, my wife and I are always saying people really need to hear about what happened in these people's lives. Yeah, I also love reading biographies like this. Maybe you can help our listeners understand why it's important to learn from those who've gone before us. After all, many of them went out hundreds of years ago, and the world today is a very different place. The world is different in some regards, but our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And when we send out these students every year, we must have faith that the Lord is using them to impact lives around the world. But we can't always see what God is doing in the hearts and minds of the people they meet. You know, We don't have that perspective yet. But when we look back at how God worked in the past, I think it can encourage our faith to believe in the power of God to work today. The Bible talks a lot about this, right? I mean, leaders in both the Old Testament and New Testament are constantly reminding people to remember what God has done in the past. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's encouraging to see that God's been faithful throughout history. It reminds us that he will continue to be faithful. I love Psalm 77, verse 11, and it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Yeah, that's that's a great verse. I also love Psalm 143, 5. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. And so along with this encouragement, we also find that there's nothing new under the sun, that these men and women from past generations struggled with many of the same things we do and encountered many of the same obstacles that we do, and God was faithful. We often think that things are so terrible now and that it was much better in in the good old days, but in a fallen world, there have always been great difficulties and great triumphs as the Lord saves and provides. Yes. I I mean, in fact, I think that we have many blessings and advantages as we take the gospel to the ends of the earth that our predecessors could have only dreamed about. We can hop on a plane and get to the unreached in a matter of hours, not months. We have immunizations that keep us safe from things that ended the lives of many missionaries of the past. The list goes on. So I think learning from these men and women gives us perspective on some of the opportunities that we have now. Yeah, that's right. I I agree. Well, I have one final reason, Amy. (laughs) And what's that? We are in the cold, dark days of winter here, so I thought talking about these heroes of the faith might brighten our day a bit. You know me, it's definitely going to get me excited. Let's do it. So who would you like to start with? I think it would be appropriate to start with the man who's called the father of modern missions, and that's William Carey. Ah, yes. I've heard you talking about him recently. I'm curious to learn more. I've heard little snippets throughout the years. So give us a basic bio about him. Well, he was born in 1761 in England, so he would have been a young man around the time that uh, the colonists in America were fighting for independence from England. And incidentally, I read that apparently he was rooting for the colonists to gain their freedom from England. Just an interesting side note. But he was, he was not from a well-to-do family and didn't have a lot of opportunities for education. In fact, at a young age, he was sent to be an apprentice to a shoemaker. So from the world's perspective, not a very likely candidate to have a great deal of impact. But 
As we know, God's kingdom works differently, and Kerry would end up transforming how Westerners view missions, both in his day and I think his ideas and examples still today shape our thinking, hence the nickname. I am already intrigued. So what in particular about his life stands out to you? I find the story of how he was called to take the gospel to India truly amazing, because not only did his humble circumstances make him an unlikely missions pioneer, there was a whole lot of force in 18th century English England pushing back against what Carey wanted to do. Yes, wasn't the idea of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth really pretty frowned upon at that time? It absolutely was. And I think there's there's a powerful lesson in this, in the temptation to ignore the opportunities the Lord is giving to fulfill the Great Commission. If you look at England in that time, they were a very wealthy and prosperous nation, not unlike our own. They had a global empire, colonies and territories all over the world. You know, they used to say that the sun never set on the British Empire. And we don't have time to get into all the problems that colonialism created in the world. But you know, suffice it to say that if you were a British citizen, you had lots of launching points and well-trodden paths to take to get to the ends of the earth. In fact, Great Britain ruled the seas at this time. So this gave them great access to the rest of the world. Yet despite this, the prevailing view among British Christians, and I would assume among many of the Christians in America, was that if God wanted to reach the heathens, he would do it himself. He didn't need us. And so fulfilling the Great Commission was, by and large, lacking in the priorities of the church. Yes, I, I remember reading a story that Carrie spoke to a group of people about the need to take the gospel to the nations, and they pretty much shut him down and scolded him for his views. That's right. But maybe we should step back a bit and, and share about how Carrie came to hold this view, despite the fact that it flew in the face of church teaching at the time. While he was an apprentice, he worked alongside an older boy who was what they called a dissenter. These were people who had pulled away from the Church of England. You know, the pilgrims who came to America before this time are an example. And through this young man's influence, Carrie puts his faith fully in Christ, and he also joins a dissenter group, which came with a lot of disadvantages and persecutions at this time. And the specific group of dissenters Carrie gets involved with are the Baptists. And eventually, he becomes a pastor of this poor country church. And for a brief period, he's also teaching the school children in that town because they don't have a teacher for a little while. And he just loves geography. It's his favorite subject. And he, he loves poring over these maps. And he starts to write on these maps the locations of different religious groups. And, and through this process, God begins to stir in his heart about the gospel going to all these places, to the ends of the earth. And eventually he becomes an officially ordained Baptist minister, and he's invited to start attending this gathering of ministers called Ministers Fraternal. Ah, and this is where he receives his famous rebuke. Exactly. So the older ministers ask if any one of the newbies, which he's one of them, would like to propose a topic for discussion at the Ministers Fraternal. And William summons up the courage and says, I would like to discuss the idea that when Jesus Christ gave the command to his disciples to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, he meant it to include not just his disciples who were alive at the time, but all who would follow him from then on. Wow. So I take it that this was a fairly controversial view to bring up at this point. Sadly, it was. The, the common view was that Jesus gave the Great Commission task to his 12 disciples, and now that they were gone, this task was no longer relevant. I mean, we just take it for granted that we're supposed to fulfill the Great Commission today. But it took people like William Carey standing up and voicing this view. And they did so at a cost. But it took that to affect change among Christians. 
and we've been more influenced by their bravery than we realize. So was anyone persuaded? Well, as you know, one of the older ministers gives him the angry response of, here we have an example of a young man who knows nothing about the plan of God. The Almighty will enlighten the heathen in his own way when he sees fit. It is not our place to interfere with this process. But despite this, Carey isn't deterred, and he goes on to write this very important manuscript that later circulated among Christians. And they loved long titles at this time. So the, the title of this manuscript was An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathen, in which the religious state of the different nations of the world, the success of former undertakings, and the practicability of further undertakings are considered. <laughs> Wow, that is a mouthful, but certainly descriptive. I wonder how they even fit that on the cover. Yeah, I think they were really into long titles back then. And, and this began to circulate, and Kerry begins to speak to various groups. In one of these meetings, he delivers his famous line of, expect great things from God, attempt great things from God. And, and eventually, there was a group of ministers, about 12 of them, ironically enough, and they feel like they should do something about this. And so they formed the Baptist Society of Propagating the Gospel. Okay, so did the gospel just go forth to the nations from there through this group? No, they, they'd face many obstacles before they would see that happen. And in fact, at this point, they're just hoping to find their first missionary. And about that time, they're trying to figure out what to do about this, this issue of finding a missionary. And they received this letter from a man named Dr. Thomas, who ends up being a very interesting and controversial figure in Carrie's story. And this letter and the subsequent visit from Dr. Thomas proves to be a very significant moment in missions history. But unfortunately, we're about out of time, so we'll have to finish the story on our next podcast. (laughs) Well, I for one can't wait. Way to end on a cliffhanger there. So are there any parting thoughts or lessons to learn from what we've learned about Carrie's life thus far? I think Carrie's experience shows us that in all times, there will be resistance to people fulfilling the Great Commission. We see it today with some of the pushback, pushback that missions receives, oftentimes from church-going Christians. I mean, almost without fail, Amy, when I hear about a student whose parents are opposed to them going, uh, they usually come from a Christian background. And so we have an enemy that wants to distract and confuse believers about the Great Commission. So if we want to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, we're going to have to persevere and and be committed. And I pray that we will continue to have the courage and conviction to wave the banner of the gospel going to the ends of the earth, just like Carrie did. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. Tune in next time to hear the second half of William Carey's story. Brad, I have just one request. Can you tell me the rest of Carrie's story so I don't have to wait two weeks? Well, maybe if you're really nice to me. Aren't I always? Of course. (laughs) Well, we'll see you next time on the One Link Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.